0: Hollywood is Rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Rated LGBT Radio, and this is our last LGBT, Rated LGBT Radio of 2020, <laughs> and uh, what a freaking year. Um, so many people are very glad to see it go away, um, although I guess for me, not to be cynical, but um, I'm, I fall into that camp of, uh, you know, sometimes it's better to know the devil you know rather than the devil you don't know. Uh, we're not quite sure what 2021 will bring, although it will bring... <clears throat> a new uh, president and um, administration, so that can only be good. Um, But, uh, yeah, the pandemic is still here, vaccines are on the horizon, Um, lots of stuff going on. Um, Today's topic um, is kind of a reaction to a conservative uh, uh, columnist uh, who... um, Who's actually a member of the LGBT community himself, but he uh, of course likes to be a knee um, jerk jerk um, on a lot of issues, and um, in in this case it is Andrew Sullivan is the columnist, and he did a uh, an article called, well actually I forget what it's called, but the point of the article was that lesbians are going extinct because of the rise of Individuals coming out as transgender men, that um, and the implication of his article, which of course had absolutely no fact attached to it, just you know, just kind of those that knee-jerk um, musing of, of um, somebody from the outside, that it has tone that that every lesbian was um, just on a path to become a trans man and. He was bemoaning the fact that he really likes lesbians and will miss them terribly. Um, So anyway, we thought we would take that theme and um, unpack it, Um, and in that unpacking, we have brought on quite a team to talk about it. Um, Standing on deck is one of our absolute favorite authorities, uh, Bryn Tannehill, who is an analyst um, and the author of everything you wanted to know about being trans, but were afraid to ask. And um, also coming on later in the show are two of our favorites, um, Aiden Dowling, who is an activist, educator, and um, mentor in um, in all things trans, and activist singer Jamie Wilson. Um, so they we hope to hear from all of them and get their uh, feedback on um, the potential extinction of everything lesbian. Um, So anyway, with that, though, I do want to bring on
1: my um,
0: esteemed co-host, Brody Levesque. Brody, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Rob, and uh, happy New Year to our listeners that are already sitting in January 1st, as it were, on different parts of the globe. Uh, happy New Year's Eve to the rest of you. I hope that your celebrations are safe and quite frankly you're at home and not out in a crowd someplace. Uh because we really need this bug to go away. And uh, yeah, which uh yeah. is right now concern Yeah speaking
0: of which let's 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 go to that because there is um one element of this umbrella we call the LGBT community that is belligerently not adhering to that, in fact, has an event in Mexico. Um, this is um, part of an outfit that, number one, um, was doing these events, even though they help spread HIV and all of that, um, is doing these events um, that propel um, speed use and... Um, drug addiction that afflicts our community, and now they're doing it in the face of COVID. Um, Do you have any comment on that?
1: Oh, I have all sorts of comments, but unfortunately they're not G-rated. Gray Circuit Party uh, impresario um, and bad boy, who's head of what they call White Party Entertainment out in Palm Springs, Jeffrey Sanker, and he does have a reputation for everything you just outlined. Uh, is throwing a series of uh, New Year's Eve bashes uh, in Mexico. And he was already chased out of the uh, state of Jalisco and Puerto Vallarta into the next jurisdiction state and town up the coast, literally, because they don't have the same health public orders on crowds gathering and that sort of nonsense. Um, And I'm going to note, that this was advertised on White Party Entertainment's Instagram, Facebook, on Sanker's own personal Facebook, on his website. It's been blasted out by uh, the web page Eventbrite, where you can organize and sell tickets to these events. Uh, And that uh, kind of, uh, to go along with that, uh, it's not just Sanker and one or two parties. There's a whole bunch of parties that are being thrown, uh, and many of them had actually... Put onto their little Eventbrite web uh, page promotions, you know, we will tell you what time and where when you buy a ticket. In other words, they didn't want to advertise these things. Now, that caused authorities here in Los Angeles uh, to get a little annoyed. As a matter of fact, the Los Angeles city attorney, Mike Bearer, directly asked Eventbrite to remove invitations to New Year's Eve parties from its website. There have been several dozen invitations that have been posted, many of which specified that time and location would be disclosed upon purchase of the ticket. Um, the Los Angeles maid, who I'm the editor of, my reporters reached out uh, for a comment, and we have not received a response from Evan Bright. We did reach out to Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti. <coughs> this is what the mayor said. Nobody should be gathering at a big party, and no one should be gathering in a small party. These are the ways that this virus will spread to your loved ones. Some who won't be taken from us will spread to others, and those people will be taken from us. It all takes this to set off a dangerous and deadly chain of events. Uh, Garcetti's office told me that the Los Angeles Police Department is going to have a significant deployment on the streets of Los Angeles. A spokesperson for the LAPD confirmed with me that the department has ramped up its capabilities, and added additional manpower to handle any and all gatherings. In addition, the city canceled its big New Year's Eve bash in Graham Park. The city of Santa Monica closed the pier. Uh, Several of the other jurisdictions around the Southland have also shut down, uh, again, to prevent large crowds from gathering. Across the United States, I'm being told that similar scenarios are playing out in major cities all over the U.S., but for, uh, what's really got, I think, more than annoyed, uh, circling back to Mr. Sanker and his cronies, uh, is that they are openly defying uh, not only the health departments uh, in the United States by trying to take these parties underground, but they're taking it to Mexico. Now, Los Angeles right. and most of California now, in L.A., uh, we have a amended part of the health order that requires that anybody traveling back to Los Angeles self-quarantine for 10 days. They have to fill out a form. They can't even leave the airport unless they fill this form out. There's a $500 fine if they don't. So the city of Los Angeles and Los Angeles County uh, and the various jurisdictions in Southern California are taking this very seriously. Now, I did reach out to the U.S. Border Patrol to see if there would be any stepped-up response or any stepped-up enforcement at the two major California boarding crossings of Mexicala and, of course, San Ysidro, which is next door to the, you know, between basically Tijuana and San Diego. And they are not adding a presence there. However, they're going to be alert to any and all problems uh, that may occur as a result of this. A spokesperson for the Los Angeles uh, County and City World Airways Authority, which runs the, uh, the two airports, uh, Van Nuys and LAX, indicated that they indeed would be, you know, stepping up their presence with airport police and LAPD in assistance. Burbank and John Wayne in Orange County also indicated they as well. So, if these people are going to go down and party, okay, spend the weekend down there, when they get back, they're in for a rather unpleasant surprise because there's going to be, you know, a presence of people asking them questions. Right. Uh, do we have, do yeah, we have for, any indication yeah, of,
0: of how many people have signed up for this, or you know, is, are they being successful yeah, in recruiting people
1: oh, oh, to come no, to this thing? Oh, yes, yeah, sadly we do. Um, one of my reporters, uh, there's a way that you can do a who's near me thing on Facebook. and So one of my reporters and the Los Angeles Blades publisher uh, did that, uh, specifying the two regions in the state of Elisco, and the neighboring state, not only where where the party has shifted to or parties have shifted to, and there are boatloads of people from L.A., West Hollywood. I mean, when I say boatloads, I'm talking in the hundreds. So if you've got in the hundreds of residents from the L.A. area, you start adding in that this event was advertised nationally, do the math. Now we're talking thousands. And because the place that they shifted it to doesn't have the mass gatherings, the state of Jalisco clamped down hard. They said no mass gatherings at all. As a matter of fact, I spoke to the uh, provincial police and the federales yesterday uh, for the state of Jalisco. They are actually going to be stationing and having checkpoints between the two bordering states of any Uber, rideshare, taxi, anything coming back across the border To make sure that the COVID restrictions that are put into place uh, by the state of Jalisco are going to be observed. So they're taking Jalisco and Puerto Vallarta are taking this quite seriously. Unfortunately, because the next jurisdiction doesn't have the same rules, there's nobody's breaking the law up there. It's basically the spokesperson for that government told the blade. So that's kind of unfortunate. Now, that means that it's going to rest on these guys coming back in, for example, the LAX or the John Wayne or Burbank or Van Nuys or Long Beach, I think, has an airfield, too, or even San Diego, and they're going to get, you know, nailed there. It, the thing that has really made this ideal deal has been the outrage. I, I, it, it's just people are ticked. I mean, they're beyond ticked um, and, and with good reason. This is just unconscionable. Um, and it, um, you know, for the LGBTQ guy community in particular, uh, as the publisher of the Los Angeles blade, Troy masters pointed out, it makes us look especially bad because it looks like we're right. just a bunch well, of party boys that don't give a shit. And that just doesn't, well, well it's, yeah, with it's not, it's not
0: us. Yeah. It's not us, which is, which is my problem with the, the whole quote unquote concept of the LGBTQ quote unquote community, because it's not representative of people who have say on other people's lives in that, but it is, there is a partying element, um, that is LGBT.
2: <clears throat>
0: and, um, I mean, have they had any statement about this at all? I
1: mean, are they, um, even addressing it or is this all under wraps? Well, I mean, you, Sanker won't talk to us. He's refusing comment. Uh, Los Angeles based instinct magazine, Reached out to him, nothing. I reached out to him, nothing. Uh, my yeah. uh, my colleagues and other members of the press, same thing. No, they're not coming at all. They're not making any indication one way or the other. And um, in conversations that we've had with actual participants, I, I, I will I can actually read you one because this was kind of shocking. Now, one of our reporters spoke to someone that – is actually at the party. I'll read this to you. One reveler who spoke to the blade on a condition of remaining anonymous claimed that the venue did not change and had always been privately advertised as the Nueva Barata, which is not true. However, there are numerous parties throughout the weekend, and many others are planned. Here's the quote. The best party with the hottest sex can be held at an estate in Puerto Vallarta and I'm gonna go. I don't have Like, I can't infect someone with something I don't have, he said. I get it, I'll let you know, but who cares? I'm 23 years old, you know, and a girl's got to live, he said. That's a direct quote. And unfortunately, sadly, we've gotten several variations of that. Basically, when you query them on it, the responses range from go F yourself to no response at all to what business is it of yours to the kid I just read you. So that's been the response. Well, it's kind oh, of yeah. a,
0: a, an intersection of a lot of things, including um, because I've noticed that young people of all genders and um, orientations across the country have have uh, have had similar attitudes. So it's uh, both youth and um, the uh, gay party culture. I mean, kind of a an unholy uh, intersection there.
1: Yeah, pretty bad.
0: Yeah. So, so anything else anyway, that we need to cover before we go to our main topic?
1: Uh, I mean, it's just been, you know, it, it it's COVID, COVID, COVID. The vaccinations are starting to roll out. However, there's a problem with them that, you know, it, it's just the rollout's not occurring in a fashion that's going to really be uh, helpful at all whatsoever. So the Biden administration, which is incoming, is already trying to work out the details to step up, uh, you know, the vaccination, uh, you know, program. So uh, they're going to try and get the warp into Operation Warp Speed because right now it's Operation Turtle Speed, and that doesn't do anybody good, any good. Um, Apparently, President Trump decided that uh, he's not going to stay in Mar-a-Lago for his little wing ding Is returning to Washington or, he may have already. I haven't been keeping up on that. I've been running the, the California desk today. So, uh, but apparently he wasn't thrilled with the first lady's choice of decor at Mar-a-Lago, and he was also bitter about. Still, you know, he's obsessing over his loss to Biden. And of course, as you know, on the sixth, uh, Congress gets together to certify the vote. But that's already turning into a show. So yeah, it's just uh, it's just been. This year just can't end quick
0: enough. <laughs> right? Like... No, no kidding. Well, yeah, and we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll see what what happens in the, you know, in the next year. Hopefully, it, it will change. But uh, we've got a little little ways to go between here and there. So um, let's move to what we're talking about today, because um, you know you just touched on the election, and one of the things, just an observation on my part, is that. Um, I think we have factions, and they're on both sides of the spectrum of um, people. And it's. I think it's born out of social media and talk radio and, um, you know, the uh, different media outlets that, that cater to a specific political philosophy or another. But <clears throat> there seems to be a tendency to want to not dig deep. Um, to look at superficial stuff, form an opinion that comes out of pretty much your already existing bag of tricks, and um, then build a theory around that. And mm-hmm. um, people who are looking at the election, um, these you know the Trump followers who are just convinced that Trump was robbed, et cetera, are kind of following that pattern in that you know, hey, he won more votes than any sitting president ever has, ignoring the fact that his opponent won more votes than anybody ever has in any election ever. And, um, you know, it's, it's like segmenting different observations into something that isn't a truth. So we have, we have um, across our culture, um, people coming out, um, you know, showing who they are um, through their their sexual orientation and their gender gender identities. And we've had different celebrities who um, particularly have come out as a lesbian um, publicly and embraced. And then um, after a period of time, um, some of those celebrities have come out and in fact identified as transgender. <laughs> and gone through transition um, to their more appropriate real selves. Um, Some people have wanted to observe that, uh, like they were, you know, that was the end-all, be-all of every experience. And um, now we have one columnist really, really worried that lesbians are going to go extinct. Um, Brody, before I bring our guest on, do you have any comment on that? (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> the problem is that there is a grouping of people within the LGBTQI community as a whole. And I've said this many times over the years. You know, the community itself is homogenous to a point only if you view it through that lens. The truth of the matter is it's is extremely diversified. There's no two points alike. But there is a common theme that runs... Because these people feel threatened or they're misogynistic or whatever the case is. Unfortunately, Andrew Sullivan, who is a gay, white, male, privileged expat from Britain, uh, and has a platform and a conservative. And Catholic. Well, I, yeah, and Catholic, yeah. Well, that's significant. Um, that's part of where it he It has comes a from. lot of significance. To it. It is, he's taken the stance, okay, that a trans guy means you're erasing a lesbian which is just simply not true, and he's pounded away at it. The problem is right now currently in the United Kingdom, um, at least in Britain itself, a little bit of Wales, but mostly Britain itself, we are fighting a a group of what the British politely refer to as gender-critical movement people, which I refer to as turfs, scumbags, and a few other things, that are parroting Sullivan's lines. And the thing of it is is it's just a non-acceptance of a person in terms of orientation. I have a couple of individuals uh, that I know personally that have made that journey, and it is a journey. But it's not one of these things where you're erasing one thing to get to the other because, as Jamie uh, will tell us, because I've had this conversation with him, Bryn will also tell us and Aiden and I have talked about this, you know, there's a conflation of sexual orientation and sexuality and genitalia to go with gender identity, and that really is at the heart and core of the issue and the problem, okay? It's apples and oranges. But these people don't accept that, and that's where the problem is. Yeah. So, well, let's let's let our
0: guests, since you you mentioned them, uh, let's uh, let them – tell us for themselves. Um, welcome on welcoming to the show Bryn Tannehill. And uh, if i am got the number right, Jamie, I think that's you on the other line. Yep, it's me. Can you hear me? We can hear you great. And Bryn, right, welcome perfect. to the show.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Great to be back.
0: Yeah. So um, Bryn, let me start with you. Um, uh, Brody mentioned the U.K. Um, is, And it seems like there is – more anti-trans traction in the U.K. than the states even. Is that true, possible? Um, and maybe I'm just judging it from, you know, the J.K. Rawlings and um, different actions that have gone on over there.
3: That would be true. There really aren't any trans-friendly media outlets left in the U.K. except perhaps Pink News uh, and the Guardian U.S. sometimes, but by and large, most media outlets are very hostile to trans people. They have a big voice. Their equalities minister, Liz Truss, is very, very hostile to trans people. Um, the A lot of the decisions in the U.K. recently have been applauded by the Russian Orthodox Church and allies of Vladimir Putin. Um, it's a very, very ugly situation for trans people there. <clears throat>
0: Yeah. It, oh, it, and i that
3: it, uh, American Christian right legal organizations have been extremely active over there fighting against trans rights. It
0: and it's it's just sort of amazing to me because I, I and maybe I've I've always considered uh, the UK more progressive towards uh, equality than than even the United States, but they did have they did have a faux pas and um, where a group of the turks were trying to join um one of the uh, gay pride parades and because the organizers kind of didn't know what to do they um and they didn't know they didn't know how to tell them to go away they thought they would make them separate but by making them separate they actually led the parade which was atrocious um Jamie, I want to go to you. Uh, I know Brody has discussed this article with you. I don't know if you saw it otherwise. But what were your thoughts on the
2: Andrew Sullivan article? Yeah, to me it really sounded like a case of um, the bully becomes the bully. Um, You know, from I think a lot of people's experience in the LGBTQ community, I've seen it. You can see it on social media when somebody comes out as gay or lesbian you have the heterosexual people all up in the comments like, oh, no, like, we lost we lost the hot girl and blah, blah, blah. Like, the um, <laughs> entitlement and the selfishness of, like, claiming somebody else, like, you're losing them when they're actually becoming who they are, I think is a really sick thing. And it's really sad to see people in the community kind of continue the cycle of abuse and bring it into the community where – we don't want that, you know.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and if we were going to do that, um, you know, I would like to make a claim on Brad Pitt. You know, that it's like we should be able to get him back over to our side if if we were going to start negotiating <laughs> other people's lives um, in that in that way. Exactly. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll take a lottery on who who gets converted
2: on our our selfishness. Exactly. Back, the, uh, I think Um, it comes down to, like, people are worried about their dating pool shrinking or something, and it comes from a selfish place as opposed to, like, being happy and celebrating somebody for who they are, which is, I think, what pride and what LGBTQ plus community, like, should be about.
0: No, absolutely. And, Bryn, you wrote an article in response to uh, Mr. Sullivan um, and in it, the the part of the article that I, I really think is critical that people need to hear is your analysis of, you know, a real survey of of the paths that, that transgender men have actually been on. And in fact, the ones, even though many of us may have had visibility to an individual who has first come out as lesbian and then as a transgender man, That is by no means the common experience. Can you comment on that?
3: So um, from one survey that was taken within the U.K., they found that only 23% of trans men identified as strictly straight, i.e. attracted to women or would have been lesbians prior to transition. Uh, And let me just throw something out there that Andrew Sullivan's fear that uh, all the lesbians are going to disappear is complete baloney. Uh, using a a G-rated word. Um, For instance, in the UK, only 176 uh, trans men um, entered the National Health Service system uh, before the age of 18 on an average year in the past three or four years. Um, You also have to keep in mind that uh, given how only a minority of them identify as strictly attracted to women, um, I doubt that there's more than, you know, 60 or so baby lesbians coming out every year in the UK. I, th- I think that's probably a lowball estimate. So, I, uh, so th- one, we're not stealing all the lesbians. Just numerically, it's not there. <laughs> Two, uh, the data uh, from uh, the Williams Institute shows that the number of people identifying as LGB is increasing, as is the trans community. So um, there's more trans people, but there's also more people who consider themselves lesbian and bisexual as well. Um, as it becomes more accepted. But one of the things that that really struck me with Andrew Sullivan was he didn't want to accept trans people who have lesbian, bisexual, gay identities. Um, you know, so essentially, if you look at the numbers for every uh, cisgender person who transitions and um, ends up being... Uh, perceived as a straight man, you're gaining roughly one trans woman who is attracted to women into the community. But obviously, Andrew Sullivan doesn't want to accept those people as part of his community, which is particularly hurtful and exclusionary when you consider that a lot of trans people have partners and husbands and wives and spouses, um, and being told, "Yes, you're welcome because you're cisgender lesbian." But your wife can't come with you; we don't want her it here. How hurtful is that to yeah. both the person and their their spouse who loves them very much, and loving them does not alter their um sexual orientation or how they see their own sexual orientation in any way um, so this is This is particularly hurtful and exclusionary, and it belies um an animus towards trans people.
0: No, it's, it's, um, it's fairly ridiculous. The, the one thing, and I want to ask both of you guys, and either one of you can, can jump in on this it, 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 based on, on your thoughts on this, but there seems to be this overlay of a lot of this with, um, you know, a general misogyny in society where women who or, or people who are perceived as women um, um, that dare to do whatever it takes to enter the boys' club are vilified. Um, you know that, that it's you know, and then maybe it even goes back to you know, the 1800s with Freud and his theory on um, penis envy. Um, that that this is that, that women are just being uppity um, in terms of of wanting to transition to this, this exclusive area. And and I'm saying this also with the observation that of people that I have known in my life personally, I have known of a couple of individuals who were identified as gay men who then transitioned to um, trans women, and I have not heard this flip side of, oh, my God, the gay men are going away. Um, Your
3: thoughts on that? So I'll throw out there that um, to a certain extent, um, and Brody can speak to this more than me, is that there's a certain amount of mask-for-mask culture within, within gay dating culture so, to them, I guess it doesn't feel that they're losing as much uh when a effeminate uh person who is born or assigned male at birth leaves the community uh but I don't feel entirely qualified saying that's definitely true, given that that's not been my community.
2: Well I think um I've experienced a lot just on social media. literally, I got two messages today um and the way that gay men can sometimes perceive a transgender man is very like it's very genitalia based the messages i get are i'm a gay man but somehow i'm attracted to you or like i'm a gay man and i don't know why but i'm attracted to you and it's like this whole misconception of who who i am and because they make assumptions about what's in my pants. It somehow like lessens my value to them of my manliness or my manhood or whatever you want to call it. Um, And I think that's honestly a lot of it is because the way that trans men have been fetishized and the way that being intimate with somebody like us, how it goes, like we haven't really been able to speak our narrative for that. And I think the cis community has spoken for us instead of letting us talk, and it's kind of, you know, made everyone's vision about who we are, like, set in stone as opposed to letting us be individuals. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I love
0: what you just said, Jimmy, because I think that is uh, the, the two points of what you're, you just mentioned <laughs> is, one, um, trans people absolutely should be um, allowed and, and asked to speak for themselves. Um, and yeah. define themselves, explain themselves, <clears throat> share about themselves. All of that is, should, should, should not be done on your behalf, especially from those of us who just don't know. Um, uh, that the, um, um, boy, I got so caught up in that point, I've missed the other point. There's another great point that you made, <laughs> that, uh, it'll, it'll come, I got. i got to jump me. in here
1: for a <laughs> second because I want to address something that Jamie just pointed out. Um, and, Bre- you know, Brent and I have had this conversation. Um, it's with no small amount of irony that on this date, 27 years ago, a trans guy from Lincoln, Nebraska, was murdered. His name was Brandon Tina. Okay. That occurred 27 years ago this date. Um, and most of the reactions to it were extremely misogynistic and quite patriotical. And a lot of it was also Gentilia-based. Brandon would have probably, had he lived and made it through to adulthood and had been around for this radio program, I have absolutely no doubt would have identified himself as a trans male who's straight. Um, And there seems to be that part of it is also an issue, too. And, and Brendan, you and I have talked about this. Aiden and I have actually discussed this, and Jamie, I think you and I have talked about this, that the problem is exactly as Jamie just outlined. It's, uh, it goes beyond um, the sense of a person. It goes into almost um, an obsessive fetishism over you know, the reproductive capabilities of the person that you're dealing with, which is horribly unfair. It was one of the things that got Brandon killed. As a matter of fact, 27 years ago. I think that one of the things that we need to understand is that it's incumbent on people to have a platform and a voice. And of course, Bryn, you do as a columnist. Rob as a radio host. Myself as an editor. Jamie as a major social gram, uh, Instagram, uh, what do you call influencer? Because uh, he's got a huge platform there. Aiden, same thing. But, I mean, we have to be able to be the voice so that the young trans guys don't get erased because, you know, ironically, Sullivan's narrative of lesbian erasure isn't true. What it is, is is that there's parts of even our own community that are trying to erase trans guys because you can't fit everything into this neat little box, nor should we be able to. That's unfair. And it's as Jamie said, you know, I have a, guy, you know a gay guy hitting on Jamie is like, you know, uh, yeah, okay, not not a big shock, but then they find out that, well, you know, Jamie happens to be straight. It's like, oh wait, what? And see, that becomes a problem. And and that's exactly what we've got to start addressing. You know, first of all, trans guys exist. Okay, we've got to stop fetishizing them. We've got to stop making it that way. The same way we've got to do the uh, same thing for our trans uh, sisters as well, for the same damn reason. Yeah, you know, th- this is a base core argument, and Jamie just really outlined the foundational part of this. Okay, it's not about the genitalia, Rob. Right.
0: Yeah. It's. Um,
1: it's and it's,
0: I wanted to ask something, and I want to kind of follow Jamie's point about um, people talking for themselves. So I'm, I don't want to speak for either Bryn or Jamie. I'm going to throw this out to you guys, but uh, looking at my own coming out path as a cisgender gay man, uh, you know, trying to fit into a straight world, coming to terms with just the being gay part or, <laughs> or aspect of myself, um, was that that in that process, I you know, it's not like somebody gave me a manual where I looked up and it went, oh, you know, boom, oh, this is who you really are. Boom, oh, there it is. It's all laid out. Now I'm going to go be that. And my observation with the, the people I've known, and I've known several individuals who have identified as lesbian and then went on to um, come out and transition um, uh, as, as transgender men, um, is that they didn't have the, – nobody handed them manuals either, and – they had to work through who it was they were and first they identified with one identity once they were living that openly the truth that that was not appropriate or fitting for them became even more apparent and then they continued to um to find themselves even more thoroughly um and 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 before i turn this over to you guys to share, if you will, your experience with that, is I know back in the day, back in the 80s, when there were not very many visible transgender people at all, it was as much because people who were truly transgender did not see people that they could say, this is what I do with this. This is how I'm going to go or how I can go. And so we saw a lot of uh, sub-identities that now, for me, looking back, I'm looking at those people going, that w- looks like, to me, from the outside, a transgender person who couldn't find their true expression. Um, Brent, Jimmy, Jamie, what, what are your thoughts on that and experience on that?
2: Um, I think I completely understand, like, how you're saying there's no manual like you come out and you're just kind of thrown into the world. And a lot of times, you know, when you're LGBTQ plus identifying, like you can lose friends, you can lose family. Like, so I think, you know, coming into the LGBT community, say you come out as lesbian, you come out as gay and you identify with that community, you're with that community and then you come out as trans. How sad that you lose your community base that you had and that family you know, that not blood family, but chosen family that you built for a lot of us, me speaking on behalf of myself, like I don't have my family. I came out immediately as transgender, but to think maybe if I was a lesbian for X amount of years and built, you know, my identity and my friendship and my family in there, and then to have those people be like, no, you're not one of us anymore. Like, I think it's just so constricting. It's everything that the the heteronormative community, all the things that we don't like about them. Um so yeah, it's it really is a journey and I think the whole purpose is we need to like respect people's journeys. It's not going to be the same as yours like and that's that. We're still the same people. Brent, what were your thoughts?
3: So in many ways I've been lucky that the places I have where I came out there was such a small LGBT community in a rural part of Ohio that you really that You couldn't really be that picky. Um, And that I was lucky that I found some friends who um, that I'm still friends with who are uh, both cisgender and transgender. Um, But as I was saying earlier, um, it's, there is, uh, was alluded to just now, there is no manual for how to be whatever. You have to find your way. Um, And for trans people, a lot of us go through um, something that would be described as an awkward phase, uh, mid-transition. This can be really, really hard on us uh, because we're in the process of realizing ourselves and making ourselves who we want to be. Um and some of the nastiest stereotypes come from that from that transitional period that usually only lasts a couple of years, uh at most.
1: Um, looks like we lost Britain there for a second. Oh
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: that was that was it.
1: Oh
3: <laughs> end of point.
2: <laughs> what are your thoughts on oh, that? Oh also Add, ahead, can I add something to that? Yeah, also, yeah, absolutely. I think that, like you said, like the awkward, like you would call like the awkward phase, and I I completely understand that. Like the you know when I first started hormones and, um, you know people in public and like they didn't know like what pronouns to call me and stuff, and it was always these awkward scenarios. And I think it it affected me even after my awkward stage because then I put so much pressure on myself of like what I need to be or what I should be to like be accepted where if you have a home base of people that accept you and love you for who you are, like you don't have as many, you know, expectations for yourself. Like I've only just gotten to the point after transitioning for being on hormones for five years that I've decided to not be on hormones anymore. Um, because I'm realizing like, I don't need to be anything for anybody. Like I can just be me for myself. And I think, um, You know, we need more of, you know, more of people who are loving and, you know, just accepting because it it does, it puts a lot of pressure, especially on young trans individuals. Like, hormones and surgery are very, you know, can be very important for some trans individuals, and some trans individuals don't want them, and, like, that's fine, too. It's
3: one, and I'm going to point this out, one of the saddest ironies of all of this is that um, Andrew Sullivan's piece was was pretty misogynistic, as if he owned lesbians and owned their experiences and owned their bodies and owned them because he needs them to take care of him when he's sick. Um, But other several similar pieces ran at nearly the same time, like in The the Times, um, that trans people are stealing all the lesbians. And this has been echoed by uh, even members of Parliament and the funny thing is, is that almost all of these um, outlets carrying these messages were totally against gay rights. They were, um, <laughs> you know, they, they were against same-sex marriage. They were pro Section 28 in the UK, which was the no-promo homo law, which basically said you can't print or say anything positive about LGBT people. And that lasted from the Thatcher era till the early 2000s. Um, so that all of these outlets are very, very anti-LGBT until now where they're suddenly, oh, we love lesbians and gays, but we really hate the trans. And this is part of the divide and conquer strategy that the American right wing um, came up with years ago for what they plan to do to the LGBT community, which was cut off the trans community from the rest, annihilate them, and come back for you guys later.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. And I, I do want to point out, because uh, Jimmy made an allusion to something that I, I know at least and we may be in a bubble in California, especially in the Santa Cruz area, um, but the community here, when people come out as, as trans, the LGBTQ people, the rest of the community, tends to be hugely supportive. so it's not like they lose their tribe here. Um, and I guess my question to you guys is, is that different elsewhere? Is, is that not a truism of most of the LGBT communities throughout the country? Or are they more exclusionary
2: when that happens? Um, well, I don't have experience with, like, coming out as lesbian and then coming out as trans. But the experience I have had that is similar um, in New York pre-COVID so like you can go to places and everything maskless and um, I was I went to a lesbian bar and it was like all women and it was me and um my best friend who was also a transgender man and like these women came up to us and they were like giving us a really hard time like why we were in there and so I was like you know i told her you know who we are and how we identify and like that's why we feel comfortable like it's comfortable to be in here for us and they were really not great they said a lot of very rude things and then so i guess it's a similar kind of a similar situation what you're talking about like we felt excluded we ended up leaving because we thought we could be welcome somewhere because we're a part of the community and then we're told to pretty much leave and I, I would
0: point out one thing on that, Jamie though. It's um had I been with you, um, I would have gotten at least the same reception, if not more. Um, because there are and I I didn't know if the, the that same culture had existed but in the eighties um there were lesbian bars that gay men were you know, it was dangerous to put our faces mm-hmm. in because we would we would be you know, we were we were we were right. Uber not welcome there. And it, and it was partly protectiveness because they wanted they wanted a a male exclusionary environment of any kind of maleness mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, but let me ask that is um, and because that is the basis of you know the turf knee jerk reaction is they want nothing male um, you know of any sort. Um, Bryn what. You know is that a is that philosophy by certain people who are so gender centric and exclusionary that they don't have room for the transgender experience in any way
3: So this is what I found interesting is that they have a very big voice, but they're not that big as a group um, that when you do social media analysis of the networks following big uh, turf accounts, uh, that you really don't see much more than a base of perhaps 5,000 core followers, um, that repeatedly follow each other. Um, running into turfs uh, in real life is, for me, it's actually pretty uncommon, um, Because, and it's not, it's a minority viewpoint within the LGBT community, particularly in areas where um, you have to work in a collegial, uh, cooperative work environment. Um, There is an LGBT affinity group where I work, um, and this workplace relies on everybody's reputation and everybody being able to get along. Um, because we work together in multidisciplinary teams to pro- produce. So usually people have the good sense that if they have really nasty opinions, they can at least keep them to themselves. And that's <laughs> one of the things that turfs in the U.K. have been fighting for, is for the right to be as awful as they want without uh, without any p- potential repercussion, like my Um So it's, it's a tiny viewpoint, and I don't run across it a great deal in my personal life. It mostly exists online as this creeping, paranoid entity that almost reminds me of QAnon.
0: Yeah, no, it it is. And QAnon, in fact, when you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, QAnon and their lighter version of the broader Trump support base that have been given permission to say things that it's not just that they, they hold the opinion but they have felt empowered to impart those, those offensive opinions on whoever they want to, which um, well, we, we –
3: yeah. go ahead. At the base of the, the gender-critical turf belief system is that there is a vast, powerful network of Jewish billionaires and pharmaceutical companies working to create a cult – that steals and sexually mutilates children. That's basically QAnon and turf ideology in one sentence where everything I said is true for both. Wow. <laughs>
0: Bizarre.
3: And
1: Very, somehow uh, they are Brody? political force on trans issues. <laughs> I mean the one the one thing that and and i've said this repeatedly the we have got to emphasize we we and we must absolutely be supportive of a person's right of self-determination regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity but it becomes even more critical within the lgbtqi sphere and environment when you start talking these issues Uh, you know uh, Jamie has encountered uh, some seriously ugly trolling uh, on his uh, on his Instagram, and uh, Bryn, you've picked up some seriously hideous misogynistic and really bad comments on some of the columns that you've written for the various media outlets that you write for, and, and I think that it it goes right back to the heart of it. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons, and I, I miss her so much, but we, we have a, Brent, you and I have a mutual, and, of course, Rob knows her. Jamie, I'm just so sorry you never got a chance to meet this person, but Monica Roberts was the editor of Transgret. Uh She was a trans activist from Houston, Texas, big black gal, kind of a you-don't-mess-with-me type. Um, and, and the one thing that Monica used to drill in, at least in my head, was it, it's all about self-determination people gotta have people okay but people gotta be people that was her favorite expression on the phone with me in a multiple phone conversations i had with monica over the years and i and i said it, this is really at the heart of it um you know and it's i think it's even more important especially in the cases like well jamie you in particular because you know you are a role model there are a lot of trans guys uh, younger ones that look up to you because you, you kind of set the bar for, okay, this is, I can be this person. Um, I can identify as me, but that's not all of me. I'm a musician and an artist first. I'm a trans guy second. And now I'm cooking up some really good vegetarian food. And I'm not going to start that conversation because you're going to get Rob going off on a tangent. But uh, anyway, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, this is really it. It's about self-determination. Bren, I know in article after article that I have asked you to write, um, that's been the underlying theme to it. And, uh, Jamie, if you don't mind commenting, I mean, take a look at that. What What do you think? Oh, Cameron?
2: Jamie? Oh. Yeah, sorry. I think I probably lost the connection there. Um, yeah, I think – when you put it in perspective of for me um, the biggest eye opener was when I went to Russia and they had a television show there they had never any transgender individual on television before they didn't tell me that I went to Russia and I did this uh, TV show where um, they were asking me a lot of weird invasive questions it was uh, super crazy and you know, after they were like, go right to the hotel, and then in the morning, go directly to the airport, don't talk to anybody, don't, like, let anybody see who you are, because there it's obviously a lot more dangerous um, to be open and out as anybody in the LGBTQ plus community. And when I got back to America, like, realizing, like, how thankful I am um, to not have that extreme fear that they face over there, and I think the rest of the community really does forget that... Um, kind of like everyone was talking about earlier, like just because it's not you right now doesn't mean you shouldn't protect other people. Um, and if you if you want somebody to be there for you, you need to be there for them. And I think it's just in the community right now, there's a, a big chunk of them that are failing at that, which is sad to see. I see it online every single day, every single day. It's real sad. Yeah.
0: Um, one point I just want to point out to just to point out, um, is that for many, many Americans, and it kind of goes back to uh, an allusion to what you were just saying, Jimmy, about you going on a show where you were the very first person that they had ever had that was transgender. And I'm sure you're the first person many of their viewers had of, of seeing and experiencing somebody as transgender. For a lot of Americans, the transgender experience is Caitlyn Jenner, um, Chaz Bono and Elliot, um, um, Uh, Elliot Page Page. and in in those three cases they had what they perceived as a straight man becoming a woman and they had two lesbian um, individuals becoming um, uh, transgender men and that has been some of the experience so I think what you guys were saying in terms of transgender people stepping up and telling us who you are what your experiences are and to the point of that just because one transgender person has one experience, that isn't a universal across all of transgenderism. There isn't there isn't a transgenderism. There isn't the land of transgender. It is an individual personal path and experience. And I think you guys in many ways are are heroic in our society in that you are blazing a trail for yourself and everybody has a trail. It may not be that one. It may not be, about their gender, but they have a trail that they have to blaze. And looking at somebody who's confronted what you guys have had to do um, is inspiring. Um, And I think everybody can learn from that. So I think part of the goal I would hope for is that we give more authentic transgender voice um, to the public, um, period. And with that, we are almost out of time. I want to thank you all three for being who you are, what you do, and for joining us today. Um, and, um, you know, it's, we're having an open dialogue in the media, and, um, you know, Andrew Sullivan is welcome to come on here and give his fucked-up point of view. Um, and, uh, but uh, even without him here, I think we sufficiently answered it. Um, for our listeners, we are going to be back here again next week in the brand-new year of 2021, and we will be optimistic, hopeful, and hopefully bring you a lot of really wonderful programs. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends to subscribe, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.